back. It's Grant. And Vasu, welcome back to, uh, so we graduated college, so what's next? Yeah, so we don't really have a topic today. We couldn't really decide on anything, so we're going to, I guess, see what the conversation takes us. Well, I think, and that's also speaks about, uh, uh, goes to show the kind of podcast this is. This is just our lives, basically, Mm -hmm. and we talk about it through this through this podcast and others who are who have just graduated college or in this or in the same generation slash phase of life would mm-hmm. perhaps relate and that's that's the purpose of this podcast yeah um i do i guess i have a question if we're we can go this way we don't know where this is going to go sure let's see so last time you mentioned how you're very you very much want to if you're doing something you're you're wanting to be the best or at least excel at it you want to go into that a little bit? Um, sure, I think so. Um, so, what, what, what do you want to know? Like, yeah, I, like, I, like what, what's that mindset like? Why do you have that mindset? Um, so, for me, I'm I'm a very lazy person. Uh, so, I would if I if I I need a reason to do something as opposed to a reason not to. So, I if I'm doing something, I want to do it to the best of my ability because otherwise, I feel like I rather just not do it. So for, let, let me give you an example. If I if I I'm I'm not a clean freak, so I, I don't go around uh, uh, vacuuming every day. But when I do vacuum and when I do clean, every corner is is is, is going to be looked. There's there's not going to be a speck of dust in the entire apartment because that that's that's just how I think. Because whatever I am dedicating my time to, I'm probably giving my 100% if not more because otherwise I would just not do it I would just sit back on my couch watch TV because I would really I need a reason to to do something as opposed to, to not mm-hmm. so I think that's 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 what it comes it comes down to is to being whatever I'm doing being hyper focused on it and trying to excel at that task or just do it to the best of my ability mm-hmm. but why why not uh you know just clean it up until it looks nice or or something and not have to go all the way because i feel like there's this um so the, the way i look at it is like a utility curve where the initial return on investment is so low so it I'm putting a lot of energy cleaning that, let's say, that uh, thousand square feet uh, uh, floor. But if uh, it initially all that work doesn't give me a significant difference until I really put my back into it. So unless I, I vacuum and then I mop, it's not going to look any different but I'm still spending the energy. So I think it's it's more of a return on investment calculation where you, the, the effort you put in to and while you're half-assing it is still quite a bit and you don't get the benefit of it. So with a little additional effort, you can get a lot more out of your tasks. So that's how that's how I think. But that's, that's mostly about everyday tasks. But... Um, what I was trying to say last week was at my job, I want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I, 
it's 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 really interesting that you mention that because I I'm I'm not hyper competitive. But so okay, so a lot of my thinking and a lot of my um the way I function in day-to-day life is because of this I, I watch a lot of sports and the the people that have really inspired me in my life have been sportsmen mostly and so i think of almost everything with that lens as to okay so let me give you an example one of the so i i i grew up in india where cricket is a big sport right so let me give you a a small gist of what cricket is like so cricket is there's different formats of the game um, so there's this test match cricket, which is the oldest cricket, which which is five days, and then it's 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 all about patience, right? So there the game is about it's it's almost it's it is an infinite game, where if you don't get out, you don't lose. Then there's these two shorter formats of the game where you have about three hundred balls or three hundred pitches, and whoever scores more runs in those three hundred wins. And my one of the Indian cricket team captain back in the day was Mahinda Singh Dhoni, and he was someone that I've been. I I, I just he has inspired me to to an extent that I cannot um, uh, tell you. But so what he did was even in the shorter formats of the game. He used to bat uh, and he used to play. In a way that was he treated it as an infinite game. So it, he, for him. If he could get to the end of the game, and he was still out there when the 300 ball was bowled, his team would win. So for him, it was about survival for most parts of the game. And then when he saw an opportunity to attack, he would attack. So for him, he focused so much on the process and just the process of surviving that he he excelled and so that's that's how i function almost in life as well where for me i don't really care about the results as much but i know while i'm doing something i will i know my long-term goals and focus is always on how do i do this task how do i do this uh this thing to the best of my ability without focusing that much on the results. And that's how, and, and I think sports has really influenced me to think like that. And always, when you play sports, when you watch sports, you do want to be the best, you do want to win. So that's always there, that competitive drive, but it's always more about the process than the result for me. Mm-hmm. I had a friend once mention to me how her and her husband basically think life is a game and you know you you can put a point system you can kind of do whatever you want you do you kind of subscribe to that as well um so elaborate on that what, what do they what so do they it's mean like, by that um you know it's a game and you level up and so and you have to earn different skills to level up so the conversations that we had in college that and what we learned in college was helping us level up to be able to have conversations in the workforce to be able to get good good jobs for example oh that's interesting um and so 
it, it's kind of like the it, it's based and this is actually touched upon in one of my favorite books um where the society it's a dystopian um yeah novel but one of the civilizations in the future is based in antarctica um their whole life is a game where morality is basically points as a point system so you get yeah, yeah. five points for watering a plant you get negative points so basically the good place yeah it's kind of like the good place yeah. but and they put a chip in their brain so that they can see it all and I everything see. of that sort so would you think game of uh, life could, could be thought like do you think of life that way or do you think life could be thought of that way i most certainly do not think that way um because again uh for me it's always about more about the process than the result so i feel like once you think of life as a game you're always trying to achieve your next level or next target and for me that is less important than a survival and b just the process of being in so if i'm at level 27 i want to do the best i can in level 27 without worrying about getting to level 28 mm-hmm. and, and so how do you how do you how does your process be affected to where you can focus on your task at hand not worrying about say the bigger picture i think um it's it's hard because you always again the the drive what drives you is is the long-term goals right no one sits d- does what they do so that they could finish a page of a book right or a or a a slide on a powerpoint deck that's not why people do it so the th- you always have that in the back of your head, but I don't think you need to f- put it as 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 you, you, I don't think you need to focus on it every single second because you already know it in the back of your head where your long term goals are. So instead of worrying about that, worry about the controllables, and that's again something that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, MS Tony. I've I've heard him talk quite a bit, uh, and he he always says focus on the controllables, and that's something that resonates with me so so much because if I can do A B C and D, I should get the result that I want. If I don't, then I reevaluate as to what I did wrong, but the result by itself is meaningless. How do I? F- fix my steps a b c and d to get the result i want is 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 why i need the result so for me i have my long-term goals i understand i don't i don't quite know how i'm gonna get there but i understand the levers i need to pull at different points in time to help me get there mm-hmm. and at some and I, I do reevaluate every now and then and think about well how how how, how can I get am I going at the speed I want how can I what can I do to improve things what can I do to quicken things up that reevaluation takes place but it it doesn't take place every day what what's your process like um uh well um, I guess I have my long-term goals, um, but I kind of have the reasoning on why they are my long-term goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, uh, what, 
what you're talking about with survival and um, making sure you have your you can control the controllables basically and don't worry about the uncontrollables is actually deeply rooted in classic literature of the ancient Romans and Greeks. Oh, uh, t- uh, t- talk to me about it. Yeah, so uh, Stoicism, which is an ancient started in Greece and an ancient but got famous with Seneca and Cato, the Catos in ancient Rome. But basically, one of their tenets, which is what you were saying, is that uh, there's going to be things in the world that you cannot control. Only control about the things that you can, you know, only worry about the things that you can control. They they did so more, there was more about worry for them. Yeah. Because uh, that emotion can be, you know, if you worry about a hurricane coming, um, you can't control about if the hurricane's coming or not. Yeah. So if you worry about a problem before the problem actually comes, even if it comes and you've worried and brought yourself through more pain than you actually needed to, because a lot of ancient uh, philosophies, um, well, Stoicism, for example, and even Epicureanism, which gets a bad rap in Rome. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. I, I have not. Um, but... Uh, they, they had a lot more with trying to alleviate suffering rather than actually seeking um, happiness or pleasure. So Epicureans, for example, in ancient Rome were known as like the hedonistic philosophy where people would just get drunk, have orgies, hmm. that sort of thing. But Epicurus, who founded it, actually would say... After you're done, the hangover. If you you know, after you're done, will not bring you pleasure. So you should not get drunk. So that way you don't have a hangover. So he and the Stoics were actually pretty similar, but his philosophy, and even though it was technically hedonistic because it was seeking pleasure, it was more of seeking the absence of suffering. Okay, um, so let's try and apply this philosophy to let's say a person in the 21st century mm-hmm. okay so a young college graduate wants to rise in their uh, career how do these philo- how, how does stoicism well re- how, how, how can how, how does a young stoic graduate think um so Stoics would be pretty emotionally disconnected. Okay. They wouldn't want anything really outside of them to be able to control them. Okay. So they would not partake really in, or they would try to get rid of any addictions. They um, they would go and follow what is morally their what they think is their prerogative. Yeah. So if it's, you know, if they think they're doing something that's morally the best thing for work, then they would, that's what they would go and do. Let's uh, say, let's say a person, and let's, let's try and, uh, so let's say a person believes that it's their moral duty to, to be the, the CEO of a firm, right? Mm-hmm. How do their day-to-day tasks and their day-to-day behavior affect their uh, so 
How, in fact, how does stoicism affect their day-to-day tasks and behavior? Day, like, like what they're actually doing? Yeah, so like like I, you you asked me I'm, and I said, listen, I, I focus on like the controllables and I focus mm-hmm. on the, the, the surviving. I mean, it would be very similar, I would guess. they Really? Yeah, because yeah. what they would think about, at least during, you know, in work and yeah. about the future is like, okay, I want to get here. These are the things that I can do to get here. Whether yeah. I get there or not really isn't up to me. It's up to whoever's so, higher than but me. But do they... Let's say once... Do, let's say they get passed on for a promotion. How, what, what, what do they do then? Do um, they just say, okay, so be it? Or what's, what's their... Uh, they would be of... They would weather the storm, so to speak. I see. So they would either, you know, they they would probably just be like, "Oh, this must uh, this you know, I'm not going to worry about it. It wasn't in my control. It's not. It shouldn't affect me emotionally." Yeah. So see, that, that's, that's where that's opinion. where I'm 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 slightly different. Yeah. I would because while okay, so <laughs> it's funny that you mention that because while I say that. I focus on the controllables because that's what I've learned from MS Stoney. And he, so it's it's a funny thing about him. So he remained not out basically, which means that he, he stayed there until the end of the game, uh, 51 times for the Indian cricket team. And only once did they lose a game when he remained not out. So he turned a very finite game of 300 balls into an infinite game by saying, if I don't get out, if I stay out there by hook or by crook, I will win. So as opposed to I need to score these many runs and this, these many, this, I have uh, to, to win. He says, I just need to survive. And then if I'm there at the end, I win. That, that's one aspect of my thinking. The other aspect is, once I do face a loss in life or do face a setback, that does affect me emotionally. Hmm. And I don't let the fear of loss or fear of a setback determine my actions or change my course of action. But once I've experienced it, I do take time to recover from it and then reevaluate what I need to do better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I would say my, because I'm also influenced by this other gentleman called Cristiano Ronaldo, who has been, in my opinion, the greatest soccer player ever because of his mentality of always wanting to do, to be the best. And I, and he, he there was a point in time when he was being passed on for all the awards and he was being uh, he was not considered as good as Leo Messi but then I think those setbacks just if you see his stats they just kept getting better and better and every setback helped him push on further so I think that's something that I've I've also tried to learn from or you know, be like Cristiano in that respect where I want to be 
I, I do want to be the best. I do want the results to be in my favor. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let them the fear of loss affect my day-to-day decision-making. But once I do feel a loss, I will I will do whatever it takes to make, make sure that next time I win. Mm-hmm. That's how I think. Mm-hmm. What, what about you? What's... Because you play sports, so you must be hyper competitive. Um, I'm pretty competitive. Um, I'm unhealthily, unhealthily competitive with myself. Oh, that's the best kind, isn't it? Yeah, um, very, very unhealthy. Um, but um, I don't know. It's it's different, I guess. Whenever I'm thinking about what I want to do, kind of for the rest of my life, so to speak, because in a sport, you're usually competing against someone else Mm. um in golf it's a little bit different because you're kind of competing with yourself which is i think in all sports you're kind of competing with yourself i mean mean, especially if you're if you're if you're you're on if you're a kicker you are you really competing with someone else oh yeah you're you're part of the team and you're you're, you know if you win the game or lose the game you know but um Golf's pretty hard, especially if you're not playing like per, like in tournaments or anything. Yeah, because it definitely is you kind of versus the course and you versus your focus, basically. Yeah. Um. So it's a bit different, but I would say, in my personal life and my professional life, I have uh, different motivators than just kind of. I mean, yeah, there is definitely a comp- competitive aspect of my personality. Yeah. Um, but I would say I have different, I have motivators that aren't necessarily part of that competitiveness, um, that kind of drive me and, um, just from, from stuff I've seen and learned that, uh, drive me to kind of, to push on whenever something happens. And I will say I I have been, um, impacted deeply by the stoic, the stoics that I've read about in college when I studied classics. So Whenever I feel lost, see now you're just making me look bad because you've been influenced by philosophers. Oh, by, and I, by, and I, I just spent twenty I, I, minutes talking about like a I, cricket no, player and a you, soccer player. But the thing <laughs> is, is that these things resonate in the ancient, so it's good advice. It's good things that you're learning, in my opinion. Yeah, you're just getting it from a different source, and that's maybe, okay. maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> um, any uh, a lot of thing, you know, the, if the biggest judge of anything is time than anything that survived arguably is some for some reason is beneficial for survival do you feel the same way about the british monarchy the british monarchy yeah. <laughs> oh gosh i mean uh, it, it has survived for quite quite some time i mean it must help britain for some reason Ugh. yeah I, I I think I I mean the only one I can think of is like tourism. <laughs> I, I, I mean I, there's I, tourism. They technically do own the land that a lot of land in Britain. But but still, yeah. I mean I I, I know they own a lot of land, but still, it's they could be a rich family without without the titles, without the titles and taxpayer money. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the interesting thing is, I mean, I'm not British, so I don't know what goes into their psyche, but, yeah, you know, in America, it's just like, we don't really have someone who's tax paid, you know, except for the politicians, but they rotate every Yeah, th- you, can, you can choose who, who You who, can choose who yeah. they are to an extent, but the thing is, is like with the monarchy nowadays is that they have real no, no real political power unless asked upon by the parliament. They, I and mean, they, they have this soft p- 
power where they can. It's like the first lady power. Yeah. Where they they can make speeches. They, ha- they, can, they can have the ear of the yeah of the of the elected officials and just makes like sway public opinion in some yeah. way if they if, if if they so choose. Yeah. If they yeah. But um, I don't really know what what kind of impact they have on like on the actual kind of on the psyche of a british citizen yeah i i no no clue it's it's funny that you mentioned that uh compared it to america because i was watching um peaky blinders which is a uh, period drama oh yeah I've set seen in oh, you've seen it oh that's so good have, have you seen okay so i'm i haven't Every, seen everyone at halloween went as the peaky blinders last year what really yeah what? you didn't see that we, i did we not at, see that we were all at pitzer for the huge party, I was at Pitzer. I didn't. I didn't. There were so any. many people that were dressed as the Peaky. Blinders. I would have dressed as the Peaky Blinders as well. Like, <laughs> what? I that 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 is so sad that I missed it. But anyway, so I I, I was I was um I I was on the last season. I think it was the fifth episode. That's and did you uh, like the last season i haven't seen i haven't seen the finale yet oh okay so um i but anyway so the the american guy who's is, is this uh gangster from boston yeah apparently he's supposed to be uh a kennedy is he now like uh john f kennedy kennedy he's supposed to be a kennedy yeah but uh, i don't uh, know were kennedy's uh gangsters ever it might have been. There might have been at some they point. They might have. Been. I I think I don't know. I don't I don't buy that. <laughs> no, but that that's the rumor I heard. But anyway, so when he was like talking to um, uh, Cillian Murphy's character, uh, Tommy, Tommy Shelby, yeah, yeah and he was saying, well, you know, the the currency in this uh, country and this being England, is isn't gold or money. It's it's blood. It's like who's related to who, what title you have. Etc. And then he he turns to Tommy and says, "You're an American, even though he's he's supposed to be a British." He says, "Because you want to break down the 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 break down the system and just just take whatever you whatever you want." And so that that it's interesting that uh, that the British system still values. Now I I may be overestimating how much they value the monarchy, but mm-hmm. it's still like it's so interesting well, that they it's value still there. Them. So yeah, I, I, uh, I, so they must value it at least a little bit. They have to because like when, when the, the royal weddings are huge, yeah, and I don't think it's, it's any other wedding in the world can be that big. Yeah, so yeah, it is really interesting. I don't know it, the American psyche is pretty interesting because you know. I grew up in what used to be the old West. You know, used to be the old, yeah, yeah, and so it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma. So, like traditionally, the psyche, especially where I came from, and it kind of still is there, is very much of the, you know, kind of independent rough rider that you see in old westerns. You know, you're going out there to try to. You know, try to find. See, uh, I think that's not find a fortune, but you're trying to make a life somewhere I, new. I really, that's I think one of my, one of my biggest. I I don't want to say problems. I I want to say, one of the things that doesn't sit well with me about American culture is, the heightened level of individualism, that that exists here. Yeah. Because it can, it, it's kind of gone to an extreme, especially the last twenty years. I think spe- I I would say even perhaps longer. Yeah. Uh, but yes, kind of has gone to the extreme because 
you look at the you look at movies and you read novels from the 40s and the 50s uh that sense of family and community still existed mm-hmm. around that time you know you read you read you read novels from that time and you read uh you see movies it existed but in the last f- three to four decades that sense of individualism has just heightened and i think that's that's my big big problem or something that just doesn't sit right with me because i come from a culture where community is valued so much Mm -hmm. family is valued a lot and then the family is not just your you your parents or whatever it is your extended family and this is is the community that you live in yeah Um, you you have so i think here's here's the big difference is the idea of this individualism is well i am independent so i don't need anything from anyone Mm -hmm. well if i don't need anything from anyone no one else should need something from me and because that that the second thought is a problem it's okay to be independent it's okay to uh not want things from others but the moment you say that others cannot expect things from me and i owe nothing to anyone else Mm -hmm. that's where communities and families break down because the beauty of living in india is well i can show up to i i can knock on someone's door that i know of and i don't have to ask them if to i don't have to book an appointment with my, my, my friends two weeks in advance or whatever i can just show up ask for food or ask their ask uh, and I would be fed. Like I, it, there, there's, there's not this, there isn't this barrier. Like I can. I think one of the things that uh, really surprised me was how you know some some parents uh, would ask their kids living in their house for rent or whatever. Now, as long as that is for uh, to help the the child get up on their own feet and you know just be more independent, that's fine. But the moment you say, "Right, this is my wealth and that is your wealth," mm-hmm. I, I, I that idea just doesn't sit well with me because, like, for me, I grew up saying when I came to the U.S., my my friends used to say, "Oh, that's that's my car, that's my dad's car, that's my mom's car." And I was like, what? Because, like, I grew up in a family where we have three cars. And I never said, that's my dad's car, that's my mom's car. I said, we have three cars. Because if I want to drive my dad's car, I just drive it. I don't have to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, like, and because I can expect those things from my parents, my parents can expect things from me. That when So whenever, when they're probably older and they would need me, they, they don't have to worry about you know i they can they know that they can be dependent on me financially or you know Mm -hmm. in whatever way because and right now if i need money i I can ask my parents so there's this symbiotic relationship that exists not only with your immediate family but with the broader community Mm -hmm. and that's something that i i just i think it's a person in the U.S., who you know is, uh, we talked about the individualism. 
th- that's it's a big big loss mm-hmm. for you as well because you don't get you don't give anything to anyone that's fine but you don't get anything in return either and that's that's i think that's my take on it what, what do you think i grew up with a pretty strong extended family yeah <laughs> so i actually can kind of relate to you uh, yeah. a bit on that but we definitely have our kind of individual individualistic streaks yeah uh, in us no i think i think being independent is is something that is is great mm-hmm. but there's a difference between being independent and being self-centered or selfish yeah where you, no one else you, you where you don't owe anything to anyone else mm-hmm. and i think that statement itself is just it's it i just it's sad, it's so bad because what no one really owes anything to anyone else it's just people do it to preserve that sense of community and mm-hmm. and because what because when you, you think you you, you pro, and you don't need so you don't need help or whatever it is you, from others but what if you do at some point mm-hmm. since you don't owe anything to anyone they wouldn't owe you anything either and that's that's when you're really alone in the world mm-hmm. uh, and it might be Oh, well, there's definitely been kind of a, a conversation, I would say, on like the you know the the United States had this thing had the, has the idea of the nuclear family, yeah, where you know and it's the the two parents and then their two point four kids in their, su- <laughs> in their suburban home, yeah, or whatever. And it, I think a, a lot, at least in our generation, yeah. a lot of that like individualism comes from trying to break away from tradition even though there's a reason why this tradition of having a strong family extended family kind of exists even if you have to be even if you are separated on some things um so that's kind of my first kind of i guess thought on that um but um um but it is kind of interesting i would say that um the just kind of growing up in my rural small town like my friends and I we would just go over and knock on each other's houses and hang out or something but especially with the rise of technology and I think of back to probably yeah, I when think my this grandmother might be more of an urban problem as well or a suburban problem well, I as, think with yeah. the rise of technology it's kind of reached everywhere especially in the United yeah. States because um like my hometown i mean it used to be you could just like kind of go up to any of your friends houses and knock or whatever and hang out um and probably when my grandmother was growing up too it was like that you know you would call upon a house and you might go see the the town the the neighborhood gossip or something like that um just to see what was going on because everyone had like well one to two like i'm every single day i'm available if you want to come over and have a chat that kind of thing but nowadays, especially with social media, and basically social media is kind of the bane. You know, there's a lot of cons that are coming up kind of after the fact. But um, it really disconnected a lot of us growing up because um, instead of actually seeking out face-to-face interactions, we kind of got just enough to get us by with texting and instant messaging and everything of that sort so there's kind of been a breakdown i would say in community 
from social media from the standpoint of like actual in, uh, in-person interaction stuff. Now, there's been a lot of pros to that where people are actually able to find communities online that they feel comfortable in. Yeah. So, you know, there's gives and takes, but um, but if you're talking about actually living within a community, like, uh, you know, say you're t- a town of some sort, um, there's definitely going to be some disconnect whenever there's uh, social media. People can now, a lot of people can kind of be doing other things with their time other than being part of the community. Um, and, you know, with travel being so easy too, and with entertainment being easily accessible you don't really have to leave the house to go and be entertained and so it it, it's become more of a struggle to try to have that larger sense of community um one of the things we i studied with my classics along with the philosophy was uh honor and the sense of honor um so I, i remember you asking around uh our, yeah, our boss. That yeah, yeah. What what honor was in Persian? And, yeah, uh, and he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, so in in the ancient Mediterranean, at least, um, and still some Mediterranean cultures now, especially rural, there there's this honor that's associated between you, your family, you, your community, you, uh, your God, and you and yourself, okay. and in between you and like other people and how you got and how you kind of order yourselves in the hierarchy of life mm. that sort of thing like yeah the rich are supposed to treat the the less fortunate good you okay. know that sort of thing and that, yeah that's good honor upon them um and then there's also you can combine those so like you you know whenever you're somewhere that your family isn't you're also representing your family's honor you're also if you're away from your community whatever that is whether it's just groups or um your town you're also representing that yeah um and and that sort of thing so um i think that kind of goes with it too because you know you don't necessarily you know people aren't nearly as honor seeking as they used to be but um (laughs) yeah that's fine yeah they uh there's definitely a sense of uh they don't necessarily need the community for for that yeah and i think i think that's a big problem is because people have been accustomed to living without the support of a community that they just think that 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 they don't know what it is Mm -hmm. they so i mean something forget the community i think even like kids and their grandparents and the relationship that a child in the u.s has with uh, her grandparents versus a child in an Asian country uh, would have with their grandparents is is just is so different because grandparents can 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 discipline uh the kids but then in return it's it's not just this this bubble that the kids live in or with their and with their parents you know grandparents have have almost parental rights over the kids you know they can discipline kids they can they have a say in what they have a say in what the kids should you know what kids should uh, what activities the kids should do etc but but in return the kid the kid also can can ask for things from their grandparents and you know it's it's like whether it be you know uh, uh, money or the material possessions or whatever 
but that and and that relationship exists, and I think that's missing in in a lot of American households. And it's you know you could have your you and your parents live in you know Salt Lake City, Utah, and the parents are retired down in Florida. Yeah, it's like you know it's one thing. You know they don't. I would say to your like to your point, you don't have to be in the same house as as them either. No, so like for for the and longest that, time, I would actually. You know, apparently a lot of like domestic abuse stuff happens within, or you know, domestic yeah. abuse and abuse happens because within, there's because no the one else. Yeah. Multi family, you know, yeah. multi members of the family are living together. Yeah. Um, from what I've been told, so you know, it might no, it's be, funny it'd probably like, be good if you're separated, but if you're in the same town, then you can actually spend time together. No, so no, it's funny that you mentioned that because for the longest time I didn't live in the same city as my grandparents, um, and. Uh, uh, but the thing that's very common in Indian households is is visiting one another for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. So grandparents would come visit their kids for for a month or so, and then kids would go to their grandparents for for uh, you know their summer vacations or what have you. But because again, like having guests over isn't really a burden, right? You don't have to if you're visiting someone, you don't have to get a hotel. You just stay. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing that that is accepted. As, as part of like a norm that you know your parents would come live with you mm-hmm. at some point uh, during the year and, and the kids would go and live with their grandparents at some point it's it's so common so even if they don't live in the same house hmm. there's that that relationship still exists mm-hmm. and I think yeah uh, yeah it's, it's, I mean, weddings are big big thing for Indian families right because mm-hmm. a wedding is a almost a larger than life event and um, the whole family gets together mm-hmm. but you should see the weddings in India where it's not just the bride and the groom and the event planner figuring it out no like uh, the, the, the groom's father's second cousin is Making sure the, the the catering people are on it. Yeah. Uh, so someone's yeah. aunt is looking at making sure that the uh, the gifts are all arranged. It's 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 a it's if the family working as a unit mm-hmm. to make sure the wedding goes through and the, is is go, goes through well. Yeah. It's not just the you know it's not an event planner doing it or it's not a uh, not just the bride and groom doing it. It's the entire family. Yeah, I would say that the yeah. tradition. In America, or the stereotype is, um, the bride and groom nowadays don't want their parents or family's help because then they don't want their parents or family's say in how the wedding actually get, you know, is planned or what's what's going to happen during. Yeah, that. that's interesting because, like, again, because the way I grew up, uh, like, yeah, that's fascinating because obviously the bride is. The, Okay, back at like 20, 30 years ago, bride and groom in India would probably have no say in how the wedding goes. Yeah. It's like everything would be set up by like the family and stuff. Uh, these days, uh, more and more uh, brides and you know, so as, uh, grooms uh, take a deeper look into like the decorations and what what food they want. But still, but the the actual organization of the wedding and is still so dependent on the family working together and 
not just the parents, but like it, it, cousins and the second cousins and third cousins. Like someone needed something, for, uh, f- 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 and then s- s- someone needs to go to the market to get it. Okay, let's let's send this dude because he's the fourth cousin, and the fourth cousin would go and get get a new pair of shoes or whatever it is, yeah. right? So it's it's a family working as a unit, it's, and it's so interesting. Uh, but yeah. Uh, it's 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 funny that you say that no you don't want their say in how the wedding goes but i think you're also missing out on all the help they can provide yeah. right so that it's that's trade that's a trade off that i'm trying to talk about and I, I don't think it's it's the greatest trade off yeah um yeah because it's that individualism showing up again right yeah and i i think there is a right balance somewhere where again you don't want to do everything that others tell you to do yeah you do have to you you should be independent to a certain extent but again being independent doesn't mean not having that support system around you and not supporting those around you yeah well do you think that this independence uh, and this uh individuality comes from um a sign of not really wanting responsibility or expectations from these people i think so i think that's that's what it is is like it's 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 a way to shrug off responsibility because i mean if you're because part of a family there's a lot of responsibility responsibility of you have to be able to take care of them you know that means you have to do you have to you know you have to you're not just responsible for yourself yeah that means you're also saying to this person i I'm responsible for you as well. Exactly, I and think it is. It is a way of shrugging off responsibility and naively believing that you wouldn't need anyone else to be responsible for you, right? It's that that uh, naive. I can uh, conquer it all by myself. Belief, mm-hmm. along with shrugging off responsibility towards others. Right. Yeah. Because. Um and it's kind of an interesting like you know whether it's parents overbearing parents and their expectations and the kids just wanting to get away yeah that sort of thing um but you you see so many movies and tv shows still talk about like the love of you know a parent or the love of a child that sort of thing so it is kind of interesting how in, in american culture it's it seems like a lot of kids not don't necessarily want their parents in their lives and they but they're not also being told why it would be important to have their extended family or their parents in their life either. I think that's a big problem is like no one has been told why it's important to have that family and have that community support not just so even if you even if you're if you don't have parents you still have a community to support you in a way Mm -hmm. right and that's missing because, yeah, but no one has been told why it's important. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think this is sort of an overcorrection to like so from, from, the having, old, the old from, tradition. from the old traditions of overbearing parents mm-hmm. to this wild overcorrection of hyper individualism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's going to be another overcorrection back in the. Uh, <laughs> well, people will probably, uh, hopefully, people will realize that they need it, but yeah. we'll, we'll see with time because it seems like people that are pretty close knit in their communities tend to survive more. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think a community is a big part of uh, a person's mm-hmm. life because human beings are social yeah. animals, I mean, right? Yeah. So society needs... I mean, you know, the younger generation has a lot of, you know, there's a reason why, like, our generation, the generation below us are very big mental health advocates is because we are not having... We don't have the same sense of community that our ancestors did. I, I, where... I think I think that has to be a big part of it is because of that lack of support from the community, there is more isolation. And mm-hmm. that isolation uh, leads to uh, mental health problems. Um, mm-hmm. There's al- al- also this argument that, well, they just didn't talk about mental health back in the day. They, they were still suffering at the same rate. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but... You don't have the data to support that. Yeah, I don't think so. you have the data to support it. And um, so, but, and then you could, you know, but if you do take the argument, if you, but, if again, you take the no, same line with the argument no, of... He, no, no, that's my point. It's like even those arguing, like, and, and everyone advocating for mental health today uh, will tell you to seek, seek out help, seek support, right? That help and support existed in a different form mm-hmm. 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. Now you have to seek it out. Back then, it was sort of pre-built almost yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, Not I for mean, everyone, it, but it, for a lot of people. Yeah. Whether they chose to take that help is, is a separate issue. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that support system sort of existed back then. Right. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is that there was at least some sort of you know, there was your family or there was someone in town. Um, for example, my grandmother told me my granddad was a very good confidant for people. Really? Yeah. People would confide in him things that were worrying him. Yeah. And, so, and people used to go, I mean, uh, religious communities, etc. were all close knit enough. They were close knit and you would talk about these things. Yeah. Whereas um, it can a lot of times now, at least from. Uh, you know, experience now. Uh, you know, in my twenty-three years, it seems like it can be pretty shallow. It could be, but I think I think more and more communities are coming up. So, while let's say, so while social media can be blamed for some of that individualism, it has also helped a lot of people find their community, find people much like themselves and find support in ways that they wouldn't have been able to find mm-hmm. because they would have felt that they're the only one going through oh, right. said thing. Yeah, so, no, it, it's definitely so, helped a lot of people, yeah, so I would I say, think, with that. I think, the, I think the bottom line has to be that we all need support from a community, a, 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 a group of people mm-hmm families even right uh, but let's say community because sometimes you know some families aren't supportive so mm-hmm. we all need support from others and we need to support others so it is important to find that community whether you find it in in your group of friends or in your family or your religious uh, groups or what have you your uh different support groups that you have but find that community and and seek help 
and also help that community when you can. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a give and take. Where you support them and you you get support in return. And this this, uh, yeah. What do you think? Uh, I'm just reminded of uh, we had kind of a phrase in um, the classics department that honor was a negotiation, and that's basically what you're saying is what I studied yeah. this last year was <laughs> it's, how it's, it's funny a negotiation of honor. Maybe maybe I should have been in that class. It was a good class, <laughs> um, but it's just. And, you know, it's an ongoing negotiation for how much you should receive from the community and how much you yeah. should give to the community um, was kind of the uh, a very basic idea of it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's quite interesting. So uh, what else is new in uh, your... What, have you seen any movies lately? I haven't had the chance. Actually, uh, I did see Bullet Train. Uh, was it good? I really liked it. I think it was one of the. I I I was told by um, uh, my friend's parents um, that it was not a good movie. Uh, they they didn't like it, so I went there with lower expectations. Mm-hmm. But it was just so good. I, I I loved it. It's it was it was bloody, but it wasn't bloody. As in uh, dis- like disgusting. Gory. Yeah, it wasn't gory. It was very bloody. It was perhaps even gory, but it wasn't disgusting because you just couldn't take it seriously. No. It was just comically large amounts of blood yeah. and uh, comical ways of people dying. Oh, okay. And it was like a fantastic story. Uh, no, okay, no, no, not perhaps not a fantastic story, but just like a. Uh, it's very funny, and. It's just very fast paced, and you know, so much happening, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen any movies? Um, I've watched a couple over the uh, new ones over the couple uh, over the last week or two. Yeah. Um, one's called That's Amore on Netflix. I see. And it's um, this girl gets dumped and loses her job, goes back to wine country where she's from, and um, where her parent, her mom lives, and then she falls for this Spanish cook chef yeah and they fall for each other and it, it was actually kind of cute um i mean it had a little bit too much it's very hallmarky oh it was very hallmark yeah but yeah. i love hallmark <laughs> movies no i i love hallmark movies as well because i think uh the best part about hallmark movies is that you can all of them have the basic same plot yeah and, <laughs> so there, you can, but, and you there's can, always a kiss at the end there's, and there's, there's always, always a happy ending there's always the same plot as is mo- the most common plot i, I love is uh them being on the opposite sides of a, a deal or a negotiation or something, yeah. and then uh, and then you just happen to fall in love. And, uh, There's <laughs> a good Netflix one called uh, uh, some. It's about it's based in California, but I've seen that one. It's it's based on a farm and city a, lights the, or something like that. Yeah, and the dude goes and works at the farm. Yeah, yeah I've seen it that. Finds one. the wine. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> another one I watched the other day is called "Can You Keep a Secret" on Netflix. I've, and I've seen its poster. Or had, so it has the girl that um, played uh, Annabeth Chase in the Percy Jackson movies. I haven't seen Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good. You don't need to. You don't need to. <laughs> they're, they're not like the books, and I'm a big fan of the books. Oh, I um, but uh, basically, she gets drunk after failing. She's really ba- she's bad at her job. Yeah. And she's a junior marketing executive. Okay. Or something like that, or assistant junior marketing executive. 
and then but she she messes up a call in Chicago. Yeah, and then she uh, the stewardess uh, gives her uh, a first class ticket because okay. she can because she's drunk out of her mind basically, sure. and she's been having a bad day because she lost the count. That happens, and quite she often. happens <laughs> to sit next to this guy and spills all of her secrets to him. And so, and like the opening thing is about like everyone has a secret kind of thing, yeah. right? And so, turns out the guy that she spilled all her secrets to, even about what she didn't like about work, is like the CEO of the company, oh, who's just now coming back from like a sabbatical. Oh, I see. That. And she's never met him. Yeah. So, um, there's and, so many like short clips like th- on this premise. I've I never thought they'd make a movie of this. Yeah, <laughs> and. The CEO I, character, I think, plays it wonderfully yeah. um, because it's like a guy who, you know, he's successful, so he works a lot. Yeah. Um, and doesn't really dive into that much about the relationship. Like, they like, you know, once they start dating, they like spending time with each other and stuff. Yeah. But, like, he's working a lot of the time. But, and I would say her character is kind of naive. Okay. Um, in the sense that um, she's pretty. Um, I don't know. She, how do you say it? <laughs> she's dumb. She's not dumb. Okay, she's but dumb. she cut. But she's. I would say like she's her a, mannerisms are naive and and kind of like. She's oblivious. Not serious. I would say. Uh, not serious. Yeah, and um, too school, too cool for school. Exactly, and so, but like more of like a, oh, like everything's happy go lucky not serious uh, i see yeah so um but uh yeah so they start dating kind of secretly basically from their work and then he goes on television and accidentally spills all her secrets because he's thinking about her and it's making him gush basically but then that makes her very angry because he spilled all her secrets on tv to all of their co-workers and, they uh. fi- and then they found out they were together and then um and then he, that was the he, fight. He and apologizes, and then uh, uh, to get back at him, her friend had had a tabloid person, paparazzi, come and Jeez. speak to him, <laughs> speak to her, and he sees it and then leaves. And then um, she gets on his plane to Chicago, back to Chicago, and cool tells him how much she actually loves him. And then he gets out of first class and goes and spends the flight with her. Oh, I see. And it's and I, I honestly though the guy that played the CEO I think re- did his role really well. Yeah, like I thought his his acting was very well, and I could very much see him actually being a CEO of a successful <laughs> of a successful startup, basically. Nice, like the actor. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite movie of all time? Of all, do time? you have one? Well, there's kind of a list, okay. um, but number one would be the. Um, one of my one of my all time favorites is the Speed Racer live action movie. I've never seen that one. I think it is the best ending of any movie. Really? Yes. Like it's very cartoony because it's based off of a, a cartoon. cartoon. Yeah, I can. So imagine. it's pretty cartoony and gimmicky, but like it's pretty good because it very like the themes are really solid. It's about family versus kind of the corporate machine. I see. And then. Um, it's also about kind of stepping into becoming your own and deciding what you want in life with Speed Racer. 
and um but the ending is amazing i think because it's the final you know it's a showdown it's the final race which is always great right whenever it's like a head-to-head competition you know who you're rooting for yeah and so um it's it, you know all the lights are flashing and then he he defeats the bad guy in the middle of the race and his car stalls uh, and you're like oh no and then you're giving so many spoilers i i don't even know if people uh, <laughs> oh uh, I, I i don't it's, it's been out for 14 years yeah so i don't care about spoilers so that's why i'm saying it but you can literally look up the ending on youtube it's like five minutes it's the best ending but ever. so like the thing is is that throughout the entire after his car stalls and on yeah there's just a very good track music playing yeah. and there's so many flashbacks to scenes previously in the movie yeah which i think is very clever because instead of flashing back to new scenes and new content you're flashing back to the emotional parts in the so movie previously yeah. so you've built it up and then you're basically driving it through right yeah. and so he goes on like the last couple the last lap or what or two or whatever yeah uh, or the last the last ending of the race he's in dead last and all this emotional music's playing all these flashbacks him doing a death defying um jump yeah um off a ramp and uh it flashing back to his mom saying things you do just take my breath away and at the very end it's like the, all the music's coming together to like the high point and yeah. he uh he Gets defeats the uh, the villain from like the first race or something like or first or second race yeah and um ends up winning while destroying like all the cars behind him literally burns the rubber off of the car and um and there, the whole scene before the race is great because it's like the family working together to get it done yeah to build the car because they didn't have one and then afterward previously in the movie he told his love interest that he'd give her a big kiss in front of everyone if he won a big race and he does it nice. and it's just very satisfying because it all just comes to a really good end yeah well so you said it's it's i mean so this one's a clear favorite do you have oh, any it's other so good <laughs> Um, I very much like the movie Easy A. <laughs> Easy A is a good movie. I don't know if if, if it can be anyone's top. It's movie. a good movie. It's not. It's it's one of my top ones. I don't know if it's my favorite. It, I, it's it's a good movie, uh, but, but I I love the themes. Uh, what, especially the, the what's uh, the theme of Easy A? It's based off the Scarlet Letter. Like, yeah, literally like the book that they reference. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be that way, but it's also supposed to be a. Uh, it's also supposed to be all these references to the John Hughes movies of the. I haven't seen oh, it that closely. Really? Because I, I, I didn't. I missed. I missed all of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's so there's tons of references. I just to, like the comedy. Yeah, I mean the comedy is funny, yeah. which is great. But there's also a ton of throwbacks I to all the John Hughes movies. Literally, them getting on a tractor at the end. I missed that, all the. That's themes. literally <laughs> say anything. That's funny. So, um, yeah. which is a good movie but um yeah those are two of my favorites um i would say and then um yeah i mean though those are ones that i can rewatch mm. pretty pretty easily <sighs> do you have a favorite oh yeah clear. uh so but see i can rewatch a lot of movies uh but here's here's my like I can watch Speed Racer or Easy A like three times in a row. Oh, also <laughs> I forgot to mention Crazy Rich Asians. 
Okay, that's fair. Fair, fair. I, I've, I, I've watched that twice in one day before, yeah. so that counts. That's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I can watch TV shows back to back, man. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, movies as well. Uh, so here's my list, right? My all time favorite movie is Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. Have you seen him? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. So it's Tom Cruise and Jack yeah. Nicholson. And oh, wait, no, I've seen that. Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah, who can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I love that movie so much. I cannot tell you how much I love it because I, I, I can... The last 20 minutes, I can basically quote the movie line by line mm-hmm. for the last 20 minutes because I, I just... It's such a gripping movie. Mm-hmm. And the courtroom scene is written. I mean, it's 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 so well written. And then there's all these themes about, you know, the, the honor and and the, the the morality and duty. And but then it's also so well written, and it's so gripping that I'm I'm on the edge of my seat every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite movie of all time the second one was always top gun because again i it's a great movie yeah so so, so, second was top gun always because i so so my my dad got me a dvd to top gun when i was six or seven and then i i and because i like top gun i saw a few good men which i really liked yeah but um top gun was always my second but then I saw Top Gun Maverick earlier this year, and I think it's better. Yeah, I think I've seen it three times. So yeah, I've, I've seen it. Th- I've seen it three times as well. I think once. Yeah, I've seen it's it two or three. It's really times. good, and I think it's better than Top Gun. But I think one of the reasons it's better is because of like it. It really just similar to what you said about Speed Racer. It really just builds on that emotional connect people have with the original story and the original character mm-hmm. and it just builds on that i think one of my favorite scenes was when you know um i think there's like in the final few fight scenes um where um rooster's character um says talk to me dad and then they cut and it's tom cruise who says you got this kid like both whispering to themselves yeah and it's oh it's, yeah when they're in the plane when they're yeah, both yeah. in different planes and they're both whispering to themselves he's like talk to me dad and it cuts in and says tom cruise because like tom cruise is like that father figure to that kid yeah and it's it's and then when they went into that f-16 which was or whatever it was uh, uh that was tom cruise's plane in in the original one. Oh yeah and then the rooster goose's son was actually the rio yeah, and uh, he was he was sitting in his basically his dad's seat, mm-hmm. and while they were flying a plane, and then so that was already emotional, and then I no one else noticed it. I've I've went on Twitter, I've went on like so many different oh, blogs. No one noticed that that he said the exact same line that his dad said in the movie, which was like do some of that pilot shit map, <laughs> and and that was the exact same line from the first movie. And he said it, and it's like so many things like that where it just felt like they just they. And then in the end, when they were building a plane together, um, just, they were just making that plane that that the basic last scene before 
that the the uh, before the movie ends, and it's all of that. It's just so so emotional. Mm-hmm. While uh, the action was great, the the the, the videography was great, and love that movie. So Top Top Gun was always my second favorite movie, but I think Maverick is better. So I don't know, but it's better because of Top Gun. So I think Top Gun one and two, I just count them as like one giant saga. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I, when I went to see Maverick, um, usually when I see these sequels, I I binge watch all the movies that came before it. So if I go to see let's say a Marvel movie, I try and watch all the Marvel movies mm-hmm. you know before it. If they're like Mission Impossible, I try and watch yeah. all of them. When I went to see Maverick for the first time, I wanted to watch Top Gun, but I said I wouldn't. I I, I chose not to, because I wanted it to feel like that. Thirty five years had passed between the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like there there, there was this spa- there was this time that had passed since I since I saw the first one. Right. So it felt like I'd been waiting for it for thirty five years. Right. Yeah. So and so Mavericks and I think one movie that I I, I mean a couple others that I can mention. Is one of them uh, Ford versus Ferrari? I've heard of it. I haven't. It is a fantastic movie. Yeah. I saw it in the theaters. I saw it two or three times as well. And it is just such a good movie where, you know, the characters are well written and the story is, is just about that passion to drive and to win races. And you know it's like leaving it all out there on the track, and then just the, that that story about competing against, you know, it's, it's, it's just that that competitive drive is such a such an emotional story as well, mm-hmm. and it's I I love that I I and then there's character growth in the movie there's there's you, everything you can ask for from a movie I think Ford vs Ferrari has it so. That has to be somewhere in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple others. I you know like, I, I mean, there's, I have to. I, I really like rom coms. I don't know which one's gonna be my Same. top one, but uh, so I think um, either something like Pretty Woman or uh, Pretty Woman's great. Uh, you know, this another uh, Julia Roberts one is Notting Hill. I really uh, like Notting Hill. I think yeah, Notting. Hill. I watched Notting Hill with my roommate yeah, last I, year. I think. Notting Hill would be my again top it's really good top, top few movies I don't know if it's top 5 top 7 mm-hmm. but it's top few movies uh, so yeah the, these are a few movies I like I, 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 uh, yeah these are a few movies I really really like yeah yeah no, I, yeah I would those are some pretty good movies I would say any favorite TV shows TV um I don't know if I'm just absentmindedly watching and I just want something light and funny. I usually put on something like New Girl or uh, <laughs> Community. Communities is in, I, it, it, interesting because I, I later seasons I just don't like. Yeah, I really like the first season. The first season is good. And, no, so, and the second a little bit. but So my mainly the first. TV show list is very set. Yeah. Because these are TV shows. So for movies, there's, there's a lot of movies that I like. And there's this mm-hmm. like, yeah. But for TV shows, there's f- six TV shows that I, I I have watched three to four times. Mm-hmm. And I can watch them again and again. So Peaky Blinders being one. Yep. Sherlock um, with Benedict Cumberbatch being oh, the yeah, second. Oh, that's a good one. And that is my... It's top. It's, mm-hmm. to- it's one of the best things I've ever seen. So Peaky Blinders, Sherlock, um, Friends. 
The West Wing. Okay. Which is, again, a great show. Uh, there's this uh, procedural called Castle. It's uh, it's like a homicide comedy sort of thing. Hmm. I really like that one. So these are five. I'm missing one, and I for- I don't know which one I forgot. But these are. F- is it a sitcom? No, because I have friends in there, so I don't think it's a sitcom. Hmm. I have. I can't. Yeah, I think these are five. I'm missing one because there's usually six that I name, mm-hmm. and I and I'm forgetting one, and I can't I can't think of it right now. Yeah, I, I if I had to pick my top five. I would say, um, in no order, I would say probably be like New Girl. Um, in the past, I don't know about now. I haven't seen one, but uh, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl is really, really good. Yeah. Like, I love Gossip Girl. Oh, wait, I, I, honestly, I love I, it. I, I watched it in middle school because of an ex-girlfriend. Um, but I got actually got really into it. And it went off Netflix, and I ended up buying the box set. You, I, I think everyone should. It's, it's a great. It's like th- every season has like four seasons worth of drama in it. Yeah, <laughs> like there's so much happening. The turnaround is so quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a big Doctor Hugh, a Doctor Who fan. W- which Doctor is your favorite Doctor? Um. Uh, probably. I mean, I feel like everyone says David Tennant, but mm, yeah. I mean, it's you know David Tennant and Matt Smith, right? For a lot of people. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like companion. I mean, I I started it on Netflix. Yeah. With Christopher Eccleston. Okay. And uh, I'm a big fan of Rose Tyler just because it's that first character that you jump in with that grabs your hand and says "run," yeah. right? So I think she's I think she's my favorite companion just because she's like the first one that I, I got to go with. Uh, other than that, I um. Uh, I probably like the companion Martha because she actually like was just like I'm done, and didn't actually have anything bad happen to her. Um, That's funny. And then, um, so yeah, I would say those three are my biggest ones. I I figured out the sixth TV show. Oh, what was it? It's called Chuck. It's a sitcom. Oh, okay. Which is the premise is this, that a basically a nobody who works at a uh, the show called H. Basically, it works at Best Buy, right? Mm-hmm. They call it Buy More in the uh, in in the series or whatever. So he's like a nobody who's like stuck in life, you know, or in his twenties. Like he's going, his life's going nowhere, and somehow he ends up with all of CIA's secrets in his head, and he has to now be a spy. Mm-hmm. And you know, he has two CIA and NSA agents looking after him. It's a, it's a sitcom. So basically, a story about how you, how a regular person first becomes a spy, mm-hmm. learns to be a spy, and it's it's that story, and it's it's such a good show, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few shows where you know every episode there will be one scene that will make you laugh so hard, mm-hmm. and then there will also be a scene that will that will probably bring tears to someone's eyes right yeah so it's, uh, so there's this real punch of emotion in there along with great humor mm-hmm. and it's such a good story um so chuck is it has to be one of those so yeah there's those six shows that i that are really really 
I've seen so many times. But then again, Gossip Girl is always good. Yeah. And uh, How I Met Your Mother is like another sitcom that I watched quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, I uh, like those growing up. Cho- uh, you uh, on Netflix. Uh, I couldn't. Get, well, after you killed the first guy, I was done. Really? The second and third season really good. Yeah. The second one's really, really good. I Once he killed that guy with his allergy, peanut allergy or whatever, I was done. Oh, you, you mean like first guy? Oh, wow. No, I mean like second episode. No, no, no. Yeah, so you got you got to get through the first season, and the second and third season is so good. Yeah. Like my god, it's really. Good. Right, isn't the third season he like one of the last girls actually just as psychotic as him? It's, and yeah, yeah. So that's pregnant. It's, it's it's so he finds someone who's like the reason he doesn't kill her is ex- because she's, she's pregnant. Exactly. So it's it it gets when he meets that psycho psycho, it's so good. That that dynamic is just so so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, I I I don't. I don't know. It just really creeped me out. Have you seen uh, things like what anime shows did you watch when you were growing up? Like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, and then regular cartoons on like Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't really watch any of the like. Um. Uh, I don't know what what are some of the big ones like uh, Dragon Ball Z. I've I haven't seen any of it, but I actually have seen a lot of scenes. Avatar: like, The Last Airbender. That's is that anime? I mean, it is. It's also like a live action TV series on Netflix. Avatar is The Last Airbender is like animated. it's not a TV show yet, like app live action. They're about to come out with that. So wait, wait a minute. I think there's this like. Yeah, no, I like, I watched Avatar: The Last Airbender as as the animated show, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought that was it was a really good one. That's good. I I mean I used to watch a little bit of anime when I was growing up. Then I really got into like live action kids shows. So it was Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yeah, that's and, good. Like uh, Drake and Josh. Yeah, that's a good one. Drake and Josh is one of my favorites. I still watch Drake and Josh whenever I like get yeah. a chance. It's just M- one of my favorites is Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb is good. Yeah, Ferb it's so good. good. Yeah. It's just so funny, and the music's good. Um, one of my favorite cartoons growing up was Codename Kids Next Door. Huh, I haven't seen that. So it's literally about like the first season premise is that it's these kids have a tree house and fight the villains in the neighborhood yeah and so they fight like the dental guy who wants them to brush and floss their teeth (laughs) and then like the second season it gets bigger and it's like oh there's a global knd next door and like there's there's actually a bunch of kids from around the world who like are in these sector tree houses and fight against adult tyranny and it's then it funny, gets yeah. funny because like it gets you, bigger and bigger each season. Yeah, that's funny. I saw cartoons when I was young, young, so I don't remember that many of them. Like yeah. the Tom, I remember Thomas a little bit, but I don't remember the storylines because I started watching live action stuff like when I was eight, yeah. nine. Like, so yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, but, we've I been mean, talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> no, it's been an hour, eighteen minutes. Really. It's been a long time. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I think our sh- episodes will be seventy-five minutes long because mm-hmm. that's that's how much time it usually takes. <laughs> yeah, for us to talk about everything we want to talk about for the most part. Uh, yeah. 
Sounds good. Well, it's been nice talking. It's been um, nice talking. On the podcast. This episode will be out. Uh, so we're, we're so let's let's figure it out. Let's. I think we're coming out with episodes Tuesdays, right? Tuesdays. Yeah, that works. Bi-weekly Tuesdays. Bi-weekly Tuesdays. We could come out more often, but Tuesdays like at least just on Tuesdays. Tuesday, so yeah. Have a do if check it, if it comes out. It comes out on Tuesday. Yes, if it comes out, it comes out on Tuesday because we record over the weekend. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's gonna come out Tuesday. Exactly. So uh, yeah, just yeah. And like, subscribe, and share. Please do, and please, if you can reach, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can feel free to. Yeah, I, I don't know how, but uh, my Instagram handle is Vasu V A S U five two nine eight. I don't have uh, Instagram, so you had it like a week. How many times? I just I deactivated it. It was a month or twenty of uh, twenty two days ago is I, when I deactivated. Uh, I it. Okay, so just reach out to me on Instagram, and uh, I don't know if you want to come on talk about something you yeah please come and join come and join we're right. just talking about nothing <laughs> talking about nothing right all right